Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I don't know if you have a digital Bible or if you have a good old fashioned uh, printed out version like this. But if you do, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to get it in your hand. And if it's a digital version, get, get that in your hand. You know, sometimes I, I have this and sometimes I have this. It's all the same. And I want you to say uh, th- just this declaration with me. Lord Jesus, bring me into alignment with your word, with your truth. Holy Spirit truth. Not my perception. Lord, today... I want all trauma, all abuse, all experiences that would pervert my perception of your word to be broken today so that I can hear with Holy Spirit ears. Amen. Amen. All right, so Acts chapter 16, we'll be going a, a little bit there. I will make a little disclaimer, guys, who are in our mentoring group. Uh, you're going to get uh, a double batch of this because uh, you got some of it Tuesday night. I just didn't know that the Lord wanted me to share this uh, on t- today. So I did have something that I was going to share from you from Matthew. I believe it's chapter 12 about uh, the, the enemy when he's cast out, how he goes out and he goes into dry places, arid places. And when he comes back, he'll go back to the same place if he finds it empty. And he'll bring with him seven spirits greater than himself in power and will inhabit that same place. Matthew, I believe, chapter 12. Read that because in two weeks, next week I don't know what Abraham is going to be preaching on, but in two weeks I'm going to come back to that. I was going to do that uh, today, but I felt the Holy Spirit drop this in me for today. So um, as we continue this series, Our War, on spiritual warfare, I told you when we started this that that I really felt like this is going to be about a three-month series. And and sometimes I, you know, I, I let my head get a little bit wrapped around things, and I'm like, ugh, three months, is that a long, too long to go through? But, but here's the deal. I mean, it, I really shouldn't think that way. It's like whatever we're studying from the Word is the Word, and it's good for us, and it's good for us to partake and, and, and intake and, you know, digest. And so in this series, there are some things that I'm going to be talking to you about, and I'm, I'm calling on my prayer team, my prayer warriors, my intercessors for you to be praying over these next few weeks on these messages because there are some, I want to address some spirits that attach themselves to the church and they come in and set up shop in the church. And some of these spirits, I'll just kind of name for you. There's spirit of Jezebel. There's a spirit of Ahab. There's a Leviathan spirit. There's a Python spirit. There's spirits of offense. There's different ones. They all congregate together. And guys, I'm just telling you, if you... um, 
many, many, many times, people of the church, that's you. And yes, I'm part of you, but I'm also the leader. And so we have things from two different perspectives. Like right now, I'm looking out at a lot of eyes, but you're only looking at two. You following me? I'm looking at a lot of people, but you're looking at one. And so our perspectives, even though we're in the same room, our perspectives are very different from what's going on. But I can tell you, my friend, that the church is, uh, is very blind when it comes to the spirit realm. And that's, that's not something that we should be proud of. We, it, we should shake ourselves and go, my God, help us. I'm telling you, the enemy uh, is so... Uh, uh, comfortable in coming to church. Like he's just, he's just comfortable. I'm telling you, man, somebody come in with a devil, they ought to be uncomfortable here. They ought to manifest quickly, you know, but I, I'm telling you, there have been people that have been embedded in destiny church for years and never manifested. The enemy is so patient. The enemy is so patient, but I'm praying. This is what I'm praying. I'm praying for God to expedite things and reveal things. And so it's like that it doesn't just get uh, embedded and we just kind of grow to accept it, that we begin to see it. And according to the prophetic words spoken, tongues and the interpretation through uh, Sister Marilyn, God is saying to us, do something about it. Being not just hearers of the word, like we're okay with hearing the word, but like literally doing something with the word, acting upon it, like being quick to spring. May God give us the spirit of Joshua and Caleb that said when it was time that they didn't think a second, they didn't second guess any, they picked up their swords and they ran to the battle. Like they didn't think about it. They just, we're warriors. There is a war. There is an enemy. Let's go. May we have that spirit upon us. Listen, I'm here to tell you that every single one of us has an assignment on our life. Every single person in this room has an assignment on your life. Number one, there's God's plan. His assignment, it's a constructive plan. Jeremiah 29 and 11, you get that. You've heard it. If you've been in Christendom any length of time, you've heard this. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not harm you. In other words, it's a constructive assignment on your life. Plans to give you hope and a future. But there's also a demonic assignment on your life. It's a destructive plan. We know that John 10.10 says that the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So one of these two assignments are uh, on your life and being carried out right now. I know for a fact, I didn't know it at the time because I was ignorant of the word of God. I didn't uh, get raised in church. Like I look out and I see some of these young people that are, are being raised in the church. I didn't have that benefit. Now, whether they are taking in young people, listen to me for a minute. I don't know uh, if you guys are really uh, taking in what's being taught to you in children's ministry and youth group. You could go through church your whole life and not be saved. It's up to you. You're gonna have to make that decision. But I didn't have the privilege 
privilege that you guys had. I didn't know all the Bible stories, and I didn't know things that you guys had been exposed to. I didn't come into the church until I was 15 years of age. And so I had 15 years of life that had happened to me. And during that 15 years of life, many, many things had happened to me. Do you understand that the enemy does not wait to be assigned to you until you're saved? No, the minute you are born... Jesus, the scripture says, uh, well, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, he has uh, plans for us while we're in our mom's womb. He fits us together. We're knit together in our mom's womb. Like there's a plan before the foundation of the world because he's, he's got, we are God's conception. And so God has this plan, but the enemy doesn't know the souls that are going to be coming in and birthed into bodies. The enemy doesn't have any knowledge of that. So the enemy only knows uh, at the gender reveal. The enemy only knows at the first pregnancy test. The enemy only knows when he knows. But as soon as he knows, there's a plan formulated for your life. It just, number one, falls under the general destructive plan to kill, steal, and destroy. But... As you develop, it gets more strategic. I talked to you about demonic strategy a few weeks ago. It gets more strategic. Now, as a young child, still, man, uh, around six or seven, I remember when I partnered with certain spirits. Understand, I didn't know they were spirits. Understand, I didn't, under, I didn't know that the enemy was attacking me. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know these things. I had no clue. Doesn't matter if I know it or not. Ignorance of the law, ignorance of the assignment is still no excuse. The enemy knows, I mean, the enemy can see the anointing of God. He can see who's, who, who God has given uh, inborn, innate, God-gifted abilities. And if somebody has some charisma, the enemy knows that's somebody who can be highly you. Somebody who has some certain gift, uh, who has a, a, an ability to teach or grasp concepts. Oh my gosh, that's something that God could use. I'm going to use that, the enemy says. And the enemy will begin to lay a plan. And the enemy will attack you in a, a multiplicity of ways. And sometimes he'll attack you directly and sometimes he'll attack you indirectly. I had indirect attacks while I was a kid and I had direct attacks while I was a kid. And now when I was a child, I suffered like abuse in a, in a, a wide array of forms. I was sexually abused as a child. I was verbally abused as a child. I was bullied mercilessly at school. I mean, I could go through and it's like, you know, people ask you from time to time, if you could relive your childhood, would you like to heck no. No. I would never, like, unless I changed it drastically, I never want to go back. I lived my entire childhood in insecurity and fear. I, I remember a poverty, I don't remember when I partnered with a poverty spirit, but a poverty spirit part. I partnered somewhere with that poverty spirit because my house had a poverty spirit. A poverty spirit, and I won't go into that deep in this series, but a poverty spirit really a lot of times has not a, as much to do with money 
Because very wealthy people can have a poverty spirit. It has to do with never being good enough or not, not, not feeling worthy enough or uh, you'll never have enough of anything. So you become a hoarder. And I, I realized one day, I never realized that I had a poverty spirit until I walked into my closet. Some of you guys have heard me say this before. I walked into my closet one day. I don't have an extravagant wardrobe. I don't buy expensive clothes, but I do buy a lot of them. And I went into my uh, closet, and right now, if I go into my closet, it's just a small walk-in closet, so I can go into it, and all of my clothes are about right here. And there's, there's probably 12 pairs of blue jeans to my left with four extra pairs that are brand new, Many of these I've only worn once or twice, but four extra pairs because everybody needs extra blue jeans. I've got, I've got, I don't know, probably, you know, half a dozen or not a, a dozen and a half of slacks. I probably have about 20 or 25 pairs of shoes, uh, you know, four pairs of tennis shoes, like just, and I was in my closet one day and I was going to get a pair of jeans and I'm like, why do I have so many jeans? Who needs this many jeans? And standing in my closet, the Lord took me back to about fourth grade when I was made fun of by some of the kids in my class because I wore the same pair of pants every day to school. I only had one pair of pants. And I was wearing them. And the reason I was being made fun of is because they were a very light, not those thick corduroy, but they were very light, thin corduroy pants in the summer, like in the you know, May-ish months. And these kids begin to, they're like, man, what are you doing? Those are, you're, you know, you're so dumb. You shouldn't be wearing corduroy pants. And, you know, that's a winter, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I never even thought about it because I've just got one pair. Right there, that day, that day, I didn't realize it. A poverty spirit got on me. And I got to this place, man, I, I operate a lot in my life. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying it can really hamper you. But then there are other spirits that you can partner with. I remember when I po uh, partnered with an orphan spirit. It's the day that my parents found out that my brother was sexually abusing children in the neighborhood and they left me with him all the time. And I, I, I overheard the conversation of my dad and his business partner and what my uh, uh, half-brother was doing. And I was like, oh God, they're gonna come. They're gonna ask me. Now I finally get to tell. I finally get to talk to them. And they never came. And I waited. And a few days later, I heard a voice. It was just in my head. It's a mindset. You know, the scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against strongholds. We demolish every high thought. In, in other words, mindsets. That's what strongholds are. They're mindsets. And that day, I partnered with that mindset that came into my mind that the whisper of the enemy said, Hey, buddy. He sounded so loving. Listen, listen, listen. The enemy sounded so caring for me. And he said, look, buddy, nobody's going to come to your defense. 
Nobody's ever going to take care of you. You're all alone. You're by yourself. You're the only one that you can depend on. Nobody will take care of you. Right then, I'm like, that's right. They had a chance to protect me and they didn't. Where have they been all this time when they weren't? I partnered with that orphan spirit and I went throughout my life until I finally heard Leif Hetland preach on this and got deliverance from it. It'll affect so much. So there's these assignments. It, you know, one of, the, one of the assignments that God has on my life is the assignment to be a spiritual father. The enemy has attacked me in my masculinity all my life. Um, you know, I'll make jokes about it now because, you know, it, you know, I know the truth. But the enemy has attacked me in all my life. Even my sexual abuse goes back. That was an attack. That was a demonic assignment. And so what's happening is the enemy recognizes the traits in me that will make me a great father spiritually and naturally. And his assignment on my life is to counteract the assignment that God has. That if I will believe those lies that the enemy is speaking to me. So both of us in this, uh, or, or all of us, have one of these assignments that are being carried out on our life. But I want to talk to you today about how to cancel the uh, assignment of the enemy on our lives. All right, so listen to this. Here's the, here's the takeaway. Our alignment determines the outcome of our assignments. There's a demonic assignment. There's a, there's a creative, godly assignment on our life. And whatever we align ourselves with is going to determine the outcome of that assignment. Your alignment with, with that assignment is either going to determine the completion of it, and if you align yourself with one, it will cancel the other. Listen to me. Now, God's gifts are without repentance. So if God's got an assignment on your life, it's always there. You can always jump to it. When I say it will cancel out the godly assignment, what I mean is you're going to miss out on it. You can always go back to it. But when you align yourself with God, it will literally cancel the other assignment out. So say it with me on the screen. Our alignment determines the outcome of our assignments. In Luke chapter 22, I alluded to this during worship. Jesus, he said, Peter, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Listen to this. Um, you there is plural. So he's like, the devil came and asked Jesus, I want to sift all these guys. Now you have to understand, sift is not like you pick up some grain of sand and you just kind of let it fall through your fingers. Wheat. He's talking about wheat. And he says, the enemy, Peter, has asked come and he has asked to sift each of you as wheat. What he wants to do is he wants to cut you. He wants to chop you. That's what they did. They would gather it up. They would chop it. And then they would take the heads of the wheat. This is what they want. They would take those and they would beat those against a rock. 
So there's crushing, there's beating, there's cutting. The enemy is looking to destroy you, beat you down, cut you up, to bash you. And he says, this is what the enemy has desired to do for you, Peter, and all of the disciples. So look, there's four battle tactics that the enemy will use in trying to sift you. This is the first one. There's temptation. We all have this. We're not exempt from it. Even as a Christian, you'll be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin when you act upon that and there's some kind of physical or mental. Jesus said, if you've thought it, you might as well just go ahead and do it. It's as bad as, as you know. So temptation. This is basically the luring of the enemy of us to commit sin. The second is this, deception. This one gets a little harder. Temptation, we can recognize that usually really easy. But deception is a little bit harder because there are people that are deceived that they don't know they're deceived. You don't know what you don't know until you know. But once you've been told, once you've been told, and the scripture talks about how, you know, scales falling off of our eyes that God says the enemy of this world has blinded the hearts of men. Like blinded, people sitting in church every day, pastors preaching from pulpits just like this, being deceived. I mean, no respecter, the enemy is no respecter of person just as God's no respecter of persons. People out there can be deceived and people up here can be deceived. Deception is this, it's the believing of the lies of the enemy about yourself, others, or a particular situation. People just being deceived by the enemy. I'm telling you what, when you hear something, it doesn't matter who. The mark of a good person, man, come on, I'm preaching to some people and I'm preaching to some people who ain't here because they done got deceived, ticked off and left. When you hear something, you should never take it immediately at face value. You should pray about it. You should ask Holy Spirit what is truth, and then you should go and hear the other side. Some of the, somebody, if that preaches you under conviction, and if you feel like I'm trying to single you out, I'm sorry, so be it. That's the truth. The enemy will deceive you. I'm telling you what, I used to just believe people. And I used to just, you know, and it's not like I walk around in, in this, uh, you know, atmosphere of distrust. But my wife can tell you, man, she's come to me and told me stuff. And I say, well, yeah, I'm going to have to talk to him, you know. I can't just take her at blanket value. Why? Because she's a human. She's got emotions. She can be wrong. I know you didn't want to hear that. But the enemy will deceive us and all of a sudden we'll be operating in deception. And listen, the enemy, if he can get us there, once we get there, then it distorts our, our perception of everything. Everything. So like if you have a perception of someone and you're deceived in that perception, you'll cut that person off or you won't you know, receive from them. You'll start treating those people differently and it brings division. Look at this. The fourth thing is this. Oppression. Notice that they're getting stronger. This is being heavily burdened mentally or physically by troubles, adverse conditions. Um, this, is, this is what 
oppression is. It's anxiety that comes upon us. I don't know if you've ever been oppressed. I have. It's not a fun place to be. Is it a sin to be oppressed? It's not. That's something that is an outward uh, uh, force that's coming against you. And so you're battling all of these different kinds of things. And the enemy, he will come and he will oppress you. Many times, like I lived a lot of my life under oppression because other people placed those lies and thoughts and mindsets and labels upon me. So I lived my life oppressed with all of these different things, anxiety, fear, uh, insecurity, distrust. And then the last one is this, is possession, where the enemy, there's an occupation of a demonic presence within one's body. Or being. Very, I talked to you about this a little bit last week. Very few of us are going to come into that uh, realm of spiritual kind of warfare. Very few of us, uh, thank God, will ever be possessed where the enemy has, man, just taken complete control over. And when I say complete, that's kind of tongue in cheek because you always, even if the enemy has inhabited you physically, you still have control. You always have control over you. All right? But when we talk about this, we're talking about something that, man, people have just given over. You don't, you don't have to, listen, as a child, I used to be concerned because of, of uh, teaching that was in error that, oh my God, you know, I don't want a devil to come into me. I don't want a demon to get inside of me. Listen, you ain't got to worry about that. You ain't got to worry about that. You don't even have to be a Christian to not let a devil come inside of you. Why? Because whether you're a Christian or not, you always have the power over you. So he comes in with temptation, deception, oppression, and possession. This is how he would love to crush us. And these are the tactics that he uses in his assignments on our life. But look at this, back to the verse uh, in Luke 22, where Jesus said to Simon Peter, that Satan has asked to sift each of us as wheat. This is the latter part. And he says, but Peter, I've pleaded for you in prayer. Simon, that your faith would not fail. So here's the enemy wanting to, to have an assignment on their life, but Jesus is over here saying, nope, you're not gonna have it, and I'm going to begin to intercede for Peter because I know the, what, what the enemy is gonna do. And if you follow along in scripture right here, you know that very shortly after that, Peter denies Jesus three times after they arrested him. And that's why Jesus knew that that was gonna happen. And that's why he was praying fervently for Peter. So thank God that when it comes to uh, assignments on our life, there is a way to break this. So I want you to go to Acts chapter 16. And we're gonna read through this. And um, we're gonna talk about some ways that we can break the assignment of the enemy on our life. All right, verse 16 of chapter 16. Are you there? All right. So I want you to get your Bibles. I want you to get pens out. I want you to mark this up. I'm telling you, it's so hard to get through this because there's so many uh, amazing nuggets in this. Like literally, you could, 
if you're doing a Bible study, you could just be in this for several weeks. Verse 16. One day, as we were going down, and let me, real quick, Paul and Silas, these are the two guys that are the missionaries here. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, circle prayer, prayer is where Jesus interceded for Peter. Prayer is important. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we've met, we met a girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling uh, fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they've all come to tell us how to be saved. All right. Oh my gosh. So they were going to prayer, all right? And guess who's going to prayer too? The demon. As the demon is going to prayer, not only is the demon going to prayer, but the demon is saying some real cool spiritual stuff. Hey, everybody, these men, they're here to tell you how to be saved. That doesn't sound demonic, does it? That sounds good. That's a good thing. Don't cast the devil out, man. She's getting you a crowd. I'm telling you, anything you got to get by the devil's help, you don't need. Anything? Oh, Jesus, come on now. Listen, I, I, I don't need a keyboard player that's sleeping uh, and playing out in the clubs the night before. I don't, I, don't need a, I, I don't need somebody filling the pulpit that they are eloquent and masterful in communicating, but you know they've got secret sin in their life. I, I don't need anything like that. It's somebody who can draw a crowd. I don't, I don't need any of that. If it's gonna come through, the ends does not justify the means in the kingdom. No, the means justify the end. If we will just keep ourselves holy, and, and I want you to listen to what happens. He, it says, um, verse 18, this went on day after day, and I just want to stop there. This went on day after day after day. This is not the first time that it has crossed their mind that something ain't right with that girl. She ain't right in the head. Something is not right in her spirit, but we're going to let it go. Listen to me, church family. Please listen to me. Do you know how many times I have made that mistake as your pastor? That I have let it go. I have let it go. I have let it go. And you know what? It's a, it's a foothold at first, but footholds become strongholds after a while. And now you've placated with it. Now you've let it have its way and you've let that spirit stay there and it's there. And now guess what? That, that spirit has a following because that spirit's leading a Bible group and everybody in that Bible group now has become disciples of that teacher. And now they're taking on those characteristics. Are you following me? This went on day after day and they put up with it and there's a very important word in here, until. 
I mean, man, they got fed up with this until Paul got so exasperated. And I'm telling you, if you want to make any disciple uh, mad or any apostle mad, Paul is probably the least of them that you want to make mad. I'm telling you, if you want to make some, if you want to make one of us mad, me or Shay, make me mad, make me mad. Because she's just, mm -mm, it's a whole nother level mad, you know. I'm like, make me mad. Because when I'm mad, you're going to see it on my face, but I'm going to treat you with dignity. I'm not saying that she won't. I'm just saying it takes me a lot. It's, it's not going to rise up and it's going to be ugly. I'm not, baby, I'm not saying you're ugly. I'm just saying, come on now. Let me dig myself out of this hole. But the point being, let's blame Paul again. Dude. He's the least of the apostles that you want to tick off because the others may be trying to be like me and be all, you know, like diplomatic and, and uh, you know, mediate. Paul ain't that way. Paul is the bull in the china shop apostle. And it's like, oh, you done ticked me off now. And he's like, little girl, <laughs> I could just hear him saying, little girl, you need to shut up. He says, Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and instantly it left. Listen, there are some things that we need to understand, and hear me, hear me, hear me. I respect deliverance ministry, but I also believe that much of deliverance ministry today is uh, fabricated and elongated and made up and stretched out of proportion because nowhere in Scripture did the apostles, which we've been given the same authority, they were over demonic spirits. Nowhere do we go and we read that they take them off to a private room. I'm not saying that's wrong. Nowhere do we go and they, they have to fill out. I've been a part of deliverance ministry and, you know, you got to fill out, like, literally, I'm not even joking, like a 15-page application going into your history and everything. That is freaking laughable. That is laughable in the scripture. It's like, man, ain't nobody got time for your 15-page form to find out all the trauma in my life. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out in Jesus' name. And boom, just came out. And so when this happened, her masters, in verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were, stag, uh, were shattered. And so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them by the, uh, before the authorities at the marketplace. Oh, Jesus, they don't know who they arrested. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. Were they Jews? They shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal even for us Romans to practice. And a mob quickly forced, uh, formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wood rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer ordered them, uh, ordered, was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. I mean, he ain't... Not, not just right at the outer courts. Like we're putting you, you in the hole. Isn't that what they call it? Yeah. Some of y'all that's been there. <laughs> just joking, just joking, just joking. <laughs> but but he, he, in the hole, man, this is the place where the sun don't shine. 
And so the jailer, he put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet. Listen to me, my friend. The enemy has an assignment upon your life that he wants you arrested, meaning stopped in your tracks. The enemy has an assignment on your life that he wants you in a place of darkness, of gloom, of despair, of oppression, of depression. He wants you in these places. There are some of you that have been in these places. Maybe you're coming out of them. You need to come out of them in the name of Jesus, but you've been in these places. I have been in these places before that I am so deep inside the dungeon of despair and depression that I can't see light. It doesn't look hopeful for me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to the place of giving up. And you understand that in here, you know, if you'll just read line by line and say, God, what's the truth in that? Look at this. They, they, uh, they, oh my God, there's so much goodness in this. It says that he put them in and he clamped their feet in the stocks. Why? Because the devil wants to stop you in your tracks. That enemy wants to stop your forward movement. He doesn't, he wants to stop your walk. But I'm telling you what, man, he was dumb because he did not shackle the hands. He didn't put those hands. Notice now they might have been in chains, but they weren't in stockades. So those hands, I mean, even if they could, they could have, they could have flipped them up like this. But I'm telling you what. So look at this. Verse 25, around midnight, circle midnight. Some of you guys have been in that darkest part of the night where man. You're just ready to give up. It's that time where it's like, dude, I'm just tired. I'm over this. I just want this season in my life to be completed. I'm just done with it. But here's something. We need to stop looking at midnight as, as the end. Dude, it's the dawning of a new day. Joy comes in the morning is what the scripture says. And we need to look at the enemy and say, listen, I know you think you got me at midnight, but I'm telling you what, it's about to be 12.01 a.m. It is about to be 12.01 a.m. And the end enemy is is going to fall because you are coming into your new day all right and so around about midnight Paul and Silas what were they doing praying there goes that first part again all right they were praying so if we're talking about four different ways to 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 resist the enemy how can we resist the enemy the first place is prayer man here they go they go to praying and they're singing it's amazing these two things go along. Let me just go ahead and put that one up there. They go to praise. There's prayer and there's praise in the middle of their dungeon. I'm telling you, man, this takes maturity. It takes some maturity on the part of a believer because until I got this in my place of imprisonment, all I could do was bellyache and all I can do was, was as a matter of fact, if I, man, I, I, babe, you just gotta be, let me, let me be me, okay? All right. The reason I try to be so transparent about me and Shay or Shay and myself is this, because we are your leaders. And if you will see how we go through it, go through it, experience it, maybe that will help you maybe to understand how to go through it better or feel better that, hey, you're not the only one as, uh, as, as uh, I can't remember which apostle it was said to, but hey, take, take joy 
You're not the only one. There's disciples all over the world that are going through the things. Because what the enemy will do, he'll get you in that dark place and he'll say, God's forsaken you. Where's your God? Where's that, you know, where's that God you're always praising? Where's that God you're always learning about? Where's that stuff from the Bible study? Where's that stuff that your preacher preached? Where's that God? He'll get you to that place. Listen, we have been to some places in our life and our ministry as pastors, uh, also in other places, but as pastors of this church and in some times recently where we've had conversations like, what is the point, dude? I'm so tired of preaching and teaching and, you know, like, when will it end? It will never end, honey. And here's the reality. It will never end. It will never end. And what will happen, the enemy will start getting inside of your head in those dark places. Wonder what, wonder what you did wrong. Wonder what you did wrong. Listen to me, my friend. Do you ever think Holy Spirit stands over you and goes, well, Amy, wonder what you did wrong. Now, it's not that the enemy won't, uh, that God won't tell you what you did wrong. Wonder what you did wrong. That's the voice of an accuser. Well, it must have been because you. It must have been this. It must have. If you would just do this, feeling of inadequacy. If you would just do this, then that wouldn't happen. All right? So you got to recognize the voice of the enemy in those dark places. And so here he is. They, they begin to pray. And they begin to focus themselves. And they begin to sing. And here's, here, oh, we're fixing to get into some good stuff right here. All right? So here's the deal. They begin to pray. And they begin to sing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. They were listening. Why? Because it's midnight, man. Ain't nobody praying. It's midnight, man. Ain't nobody singing. It's midnight, man. We just, we, we've, we've settled into the fact that we are prisoners. And we, this is just where we are. But they're listening to Paul and Silas sing and pray. Church family, hear me. There are people here today. There are people here today. There are people here that have left our church that they need to hear this. I pray that God will reveal it to them through another man or woman of God or by divine inspiration of, their, of, of his Holy Spirit. You understand Whenever you come into this room, when I have encouraged you to praise the Lord, there's a multiplicity of ways that you can praise the Lord. You can praise him sitting there. You can praise him squat, uh, Indian style squat on the floor. You can praise him laying out. You know, you can praise him any number of ways. You can praise him with your hands. You can praise him clapping your hands. You can praise him dancing. You can praise him in any number of ways. But the point is engage. And, and I I have had people in this church that have gotten upset with me. Why? Because they were deceived. They perceived the word of the prophet and the word in the house through, through a distorted whatever uh, 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 filter. They get ticked off because they're being told how to worship. He's just telling me how to worship. Absolutely, I am according to the book of Rife. No, I'm telling you according to the word of God, to the word of God. We've got all these. Why am I asking the people of God to be engaged in worship? Why? 
Let's find out. Paul and Silas, they're praying and they're singing. And I want you to notice what begins to happen. Verse 26, suddenly. Well, first of all, let's back up to the other prisoners we're listening. Why sing praises to God? Why sing praises to God? Praises could be both spoken Give a testimony because somebody needs to hear your testimony. Why? Because they're going through it and God ain't come through for them yet. But God came through for you and you ain't no more special than they are and they know it. So they need to hear that testimony. Other people are listening. They're watching. I don't want to, you know, I feel uncomfortable because people might be watching uh, me. What if they are and you are the catalyst that can get them? I love, Pastor Wesley's not in here, but Pastor Wesley, somebody was talking about him and said, I'd love to worship like Pastor Wesley worships. And I said, you want to understand something? I said, I promise you, I've only seen him worship maybe twice in his entire time, six months of being here. I just happened to open my eyes one or two times and caught him and I'm like, man, he's going after it. Number one, I'm just engaged in my little Rife atmosphere world right here. This is all going on right here, man. It's just going on right here. And, I, and I'm just, you know, I, this is the most important for me. And sometimes I'll just get lost in that. And, but he and I had a conversation and he's like, because it's so important for me because I want to be a model. I want to be a witness. I want to be a mentor. And I sometimes, you know, people learn just from watching. And I'm like, wow, yay you. People will be watching. People will be listening. But it gets better. It says that while they were praying and while they were singing, verse 26 says that suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. Now, I'm telling you, we'd probably be scrambling for the doors if that happened in the church today. But think about it in a spiritual sense, that when we come into the house of God, and when we come together and we begin to lift up our voices and we begin to lift up our hands and we begin to activate our bodies and we begin to engage in worship. Now, hear me, if you feel beat down by this, I'm sorry, you take that up with scripture and you take it up with God. This is not meant to beat anybody down. This is actually meant to show you the importance of engagement in worship. When we begin to engage in worship, it shifts the atmosphere. There was a shifting. The foundation got unsettled, not in the church, in the prison. So we're not talking about Holy Spirit and coming in and shifting the foundation of the church. Christ is the foundation. What we're talking about is demonic strongholds that people come in in their prisons and all of a sudden praise and worship 
worship begins to shift the foundation of that prison and it begins to make a seismic shift in a supernatural way that prisoners are then, let's look back at it, are uh, begin to get set free. And suddenly the prison doors immediately flew open. Oh my God. And then chains of every prisoner fell off. Like look at this. Not just one or two prisoners, not of the ones of the ones who did the worst of the worst of the worst things that could be done, but every prisoner. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had the kind of praise and worship that I'm not talking about up here. I'm talking about here. If we had the kind of praise and worship, if we had the full-on engagement that when we came into this house, not a single person left out of this house in bondage. Not a single person came out of this house. Uh, you know what? Talking about your, your, your book that you wrote, Alan, uh, telling lies to our lies, I think. Uh, we'll sing lies all the time. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame. You remember that? We used to sing it. Not like that, but. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame. And people leave tormented, sick, and lame all the time. All the time. Because where is the power? Where We studied that last week. We've been given a, a authority and power over all the work of the enemy. All right? So, let me find it again. The, uh, every chain broke off of every prisoner. Verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. Uh, Melissa, would you come? The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. I'm telling you what, we, God is going to open some doors for you through your praise. Man, you, in the middle of the storm, praise him. In the middle of what you're going through, praise him. In the middle, Shay, the things that we've been talking about and going through both in our personal world, in our uh, church leadership world, like, man, just praise him. Oh, well, it's another person ticked off. Let's praise the Lord, you know? Uh, and I don't, I don't mean to minimize that. You understand? I don't just wake up, uh, I don't wake up every day going, let's see if I can tick anybody off today. You know, I, I don't do that. But I'm telling you, your Holy Ghost is going to offend the nostrils of some demons around people. Maybe in people, but around people. And I don't know if you got the gist of last week's message. If you haven't heard it, please go online and listen to it. But you're not going to come into contact with very many demon-possessed people, but you will come into contact with demons. I asked you last week, you know, hey, the Lord's going to begin to open your eyes to demonic activity around you. I, I don't know if that happened to you, but it did happen to me. I wasn't looking for it, but it just happened. And I remember I was in, in this uh, conversation with someone, and I'm going to be careful because they're here today, and I didn't ask you if I could share this, but I'll, I will be tactful. Um, but we're in the middle of this conversation, and uh, this person's telling me, uh, Pastor, I just wanted to make you aware of this. Again. Oh, we're there again. Now, this person doesn't have an issue. They're just making me aware. Again? How many years? How many years? 
How many years have you, this, so they're, they're giving me an update on a situation. That situation has sat in this church for years. You're here today. This makes some of y'all's demons uncomfortable. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. So, how long has that issue sat in this house? How long has that issue received from this pulpit, from me and from others? How long has that issue heard the word of God preached? How long has that issue been to prayer meetings? And how long has that issue been close to me? How long has that issue received time from me? And now that issue is going to have to, is going to try to give me an ultimatum? Are you following me? You're going to, you're going to give me an ultimatum? Like, I really need to do this or. And I'm like, well, you need to choose the or because manipulation is a spirit of witchcraft. Preachers operate under a spirit of witchcraft all the time. I hope to God I don't. But are you, man, it's like, no. And I said to the person sharing this with me, I said, you understand, right? That unless there's transformation, that will never have a seat in this house. Wow. Unless there's transformation, that will never have a seat. Oh, but pastor, I really like them. Doesn't matter. Oh, but pastor, they're some of our best givers. Doesn't matter. Oh, but pastor, if they leave, there'll be a lot of people that will follow them. It doesn't matter. They were not of us to begin with. Oh, pastor, if you do that, doesn't matter. Pastor, if you do that, you know what people are going to say? People are going to say, why are all these people? It must be you. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We cannot placate to the enemy. We cannot let that, let that have its way. If you look here, what happened is their jailer, their jailer, and I'm going to have to speed through this. Their jailer was about to kill himself because he knew, dude, this happened on my watch. He's about to kill himself, and Paul call, uh, calls out, or sorry, uh, yeah, Paul calls out and says, hey, 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 we're all here. None of us have, have left. None of us have left. We're all here. So he comes in, and he's amazed at the move of God. And he's like, Listen, I already heard while y'all are in here, I already heard that girl around town square saying that y'all teaching people how to be saved. What must I do to be saved? And he gets saved, not only him, but his whole family. Why did that happen? Because somebody was praying and somebody was praising. Somebody was praying and somebody was praising. And he got saved 
in like, like that old song says, saved to the uttermost. He got saved to the core. He got saved. He took them to his house, all them. He gets them out of bed. Wake up, wake up, wake up. What'll happen, listen to me, my friends, is that when, when we praise, when we praise, it activates the evangelist in people. There's so much in this thing. I could literally preach a series on this entire little section here. But what happened is this man, not only, my God, this was good for me. What about my family that's going to hell? What about my friends that are going to hell? Let's go home. Well, it's too inconvenient. We better wait till tomorrow. To hell with that. You know, no, we're going straight to the house and we are going to wake them up and we are all going to hear the word of the Lord and we all are going to, you know, this house uh, you know, as for me and my house we are going to serve the Lord and I'm telling you, if we will just partner, I'm telling you if we would just engage in worship, if we would engage do you see now that it's so far beyond what I want it's so far beyond. Could everybody just raise their hands in the air like you just don't care? Wave them in the air like you just... Dude, no. There's no power in that. There's no power in that. But when we come in and we just begin to engage in however the scripture has told us to engage, look at the multitude of things that have happened. I'm telling you what. Can I use you as an example, Chris? Dude, listen. Oh, homeboy over here. Oh, good old boy. Just, oh, bushy redneck. Man, he gets saved, filled with the Spirit, and God begins to do a work in his life, and he becomes an evangelist. All right, listen, I don't, I don't think you've told me anything about you sharing the gospel with anybody by words, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but he has just by actions. What were the other people doing? They were listening. Listen, out there, people are listening and they're watching. And there have been people because of you, Chris, because of you. And you came into this man with zero knowledge about God and Holy Spirit, but there's been transformation in your life. When we come together and when we engage in him, look at the things that happen. Two more things. Worship, we already covered that one. And then abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ, John chapter 15. What does that look like, abiding in Christ? Oh, there's so many things. But basically, it just means being seated in Christ, staying put in Christ, being part of a fellowship in Christ. I'm just telling you, if you are one of those people that you are all over the place in your church attendance, stop that. Like, get planted somewhere. Doesn't have to be here, but get somewhere. Plant yourself Abide in Christ. Abide in the fellowship of the believers. Get around people who can mentor you and mentoring by telling you not, not just what you're doing right, but doing when, when you get out of alignment. Why? Why? Because could uh, uh, put me on that screen, that uh, if you would, put me on that uh, one that's the main point. Why? Why? This is why. Because it'll bring you back into alignment. I need people who will keep me aligned. 
I have those people in my life. You need those people who will keep you aligned because your alignment is going to determine the outcome of the assignment on your life. Now, let me go to the activate and apply, and we'll close down. How can we apply this? Listen, journal a personal renunciation of whatever. All right, I don't know what your needs are. If you'll remember last week, I I gave you three ways to cast a demon out, all right? Cast demons out. And we're not talking about laying hands on somebody who's demon-possessed and saying, come out in the name of Jesus. We're talking about casting demons just out of your presence because you're not going to have a lot of demon possession. You're going to have more oppression. There's going to be oppression at your workplace. There's oppression in your family. There's, you know, that's where you're going to receive the majority of this. And I gave you three ways. One is renounce demonic activity. Renounce. That's a personal declaration. I will not take part and this has no authority. I will not participate in whatever. So you renounce it. Uh, the, the others, uh, if I can remember off the top of my head, the renounce. Uh, the last one was, uh, second one was rebuke and the third was release. The, the rebuke is more of a you know, I rebuke the devil. The devil's coming against you. I rebuke you. You will have no place here. And so it's not an internal thing. It's a external thing. And then release. Sometimes you just have to release people who are under demonic influence. Like you've tried, you've tried, and there, there's, there's, there's no activity going on there in a positive way. And you have to do what Jesus told the disciples. If they're not receptive, shake the dust off of your feet and move on to a place that is receptive. So sometimes you just got to release, and that's very painful. But in this, journal a renunciation, meaning take time to write it out. So for me, there's like a spirit of poverty that has been in my family for like decades and decades. And so for me, I would sit down and I would write this and I would, I would write it out and I would say something to this effect. Father, I renounce, reject a spirit of poverty because you are a God of provision. I rebuke every demonic assignment on my life that has said I will never be enough, I will never have enough, because I know I'm more than adequate. I'm more than a conqueror. I get, so a renunciation. I will not operate in a spirit of poverty in my family. I won't operate in a spirit of poverty in our church. I will trust you, God, for provision. Do you see where I'm going? It's a renunciation of demonic influence and it's a declaration of what the word says this is a way that if you listen if you have something in your world that has plagued your family for decades generations it's just something that is always there this is an incredible time for you to make a public personal well maybe not public but it can be public proclamation a renunciation of it. And the second thing is this, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody. Because I've shared with people 
Like, listen, you can't lead a church well. You can lead it, but you cannot lead a church well with the spirit of poverty. Every leader in this house, every leader in this house, hear me. We cannot lead with the spirit of poverty. We can't, and, and I'm just dealing with that one to, sh- to give you an example. Why? Because the spirit of poverty says things like this. And I've had other leaders that had spirit of poverty. And I would, I would point it out to them. And I would say to them, listen, I already struggle with that. I don't need two of us struggling with that. Now, if you want somebody, I'll pick on my, my, my buddy uh, Larry. Like, Larry, he's the anti-poverty guy. Like he's, and, and I'm like, I need a Larry. I, I need a Larry around me. I don't need another Rife around me going, you know, man, I don't see how we're going to do it because finances are just like super tight right now. Um, yeah, that's right, Pastor Rife. We got to be wise because a lot of times we will call fear wisdom because sometimes faith looks stupid. It does. I need somebody. I've never gone to Larry and them and the elders and said, man, I just really feel like God's speaking to us to, to invest this in this thing or this missionary or this need or whatever. And Larry's like, Pastor, if God said you told you to do it, do it. You know, you can't ever, investing in the kingdom's never a bad idea. I mean, that's just where he is all the time. And, you know, why do I have an accountability partner and partners like you guys? It's because if I ever start listening to those voices and, I, and, and they'll listen and they'll slide it in so easy that I don't realize that I've listened and gotten out of alignment with my assignment. Man, I need somebody to say, Pastor Rife, you're not talking about like a man of faith. Pastor Rife, I need you to get back over here. Are you following me, man? This is good stuff. We got to go. Our prayer team is going to be coming just in a minute. If there's anything that we can pray for you about. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit broke some stuff off in this room today. Amen? Holy Spirit broke some stuff off.